It came to pass in the days of Amraphel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Eliasar, Kedalumar, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of the nations, or Goyim, just means peoples, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bursha, king of Gomorrah, Shinav, king of Adma, Shemever, king of Zeboim, a cool place, eh? and the king of Bela, who apparently doesn't have a name, that is Zoar. And these joined together at the valley of Sidim, that is the Salt Sea. Now, twelve years they had served Kedilomer, and in the thirteenth year, Kedilomer, on the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Kedilomer and the kings who were with him came and attacked the Rephaim in Asherakiram, and Zuzim and Ham, the Enim in Shava Keriathim, and and the Horites in the mountain of Seir, as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. And they turned back and came to En Mishpat. Well, of course, that's Kadesh, and that, I'm sure, helps all of you. And attacked the country of the Amalekites and also the Amorites who dwelt in Hatzazon Tamar. The king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zoar, went out and joined together in battle at the valley of Sidim against Kedalemer. Kedalomer, king of Elam, Tidal, king of the nations, Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariak, king of Eleazar, four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidim was full of asphalt pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah took and some um, fled, and some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Now, and they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, and all the provisions, and went their way. They also took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and all his goods, and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth trees of Mamre the Amorite, brother of Eschol, brother of Ener, and they were allies with Abram. And when Abram heard that his brother had been taken captive, he armed 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I know already as we look at this text, there'll be some that say, what? As we look at names of people we may not be familiar with, places we may not be familiar with, and a situation we may be at most mildly familiar with, and yet in all of that, God, we find ourselves um, seeking to see how something 4,000 years ago would be so pertinent to our own lives. But God, you are perfect. And you have chosen to put this in your scripture. And in choosing to put this in your scripture, you obviously find it important enough for it to transcend the initial time in which it transpired. And God, somehow you knew that 4,000 years later in London, we would be opening up this gorgeous book and you would be speaking to us today. You knew who would come and who wouldn't today. And in all of that, God, in this room, you have been waiting for this meeting before this event even ever took place. That's a crazy thought. And God, you know, you know us implicitly. It is you, Jesus. We read you hold every molecule of our bodies together by your powerful word. So we recognize, God, that there's no ignorance on your part, no happenstance or chance on your part, no surprise. You're not sort of playing this off the cuff or by the by the hem, God, you have planned and orchestrated, you've choreographed and blocked this event in such a way that we would wind up here to hear this. And with that, Lord, though we are not an agenda or a task list, you are certainly desirous of, a, of accomplishing great things to each of us today. And so, Lord, from the youngest in their faith to those most mature, speak to us individually write what we need to hear. And corporately, as a body, as a family, as a fellowship, 
that you would knit us together into the family you desire us to be. And Lord, even now we do again lift up Daniel and those, Lord, who are up at the fringe. We lift up Daniel, Nassim, and his family as they are in meetings for chosen people's ministry, Lord, chosen people ministry. We lift up those that are preparing, Lord, right now for Creation Fest. And it's exciting to know, Lord, that at this moment, ministry is taking place all over the world. Even in our own time zone. The God of all creation who knows us this implicitly now meet us here. I pray, God, that you would get me out of your way. You would fill me to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. That I would become transparent and that you today would speak powerfully, perfectly. And that as you anoint me with your spirit, God, that you would do through me what I cannot humanly do. That you would truly perform the therapy necessary in each of our lives. If there be any who have yet to know you, let this be the morning of their salvation. And for all who do, bring us now closer to you. More clear on your call on our lives. And more challenged to do that which you call us for our own safety and for your benefit and our own. Now, Lord, we commit this time to you every moment of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I would say this morning as I would any, please don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true because I say so. Search the scriptures. Let the Bible always have the final say. Uh, now, look it. You look at this text, and what you got is more names than you can shake a stick at. You've got these five kings on one side. You've got these four kings on another from places you've probably never been. Some of you may never go. And you just kind of know, well, why in the world do we even have this? And it's really a strange. Don't you find this a bit of a departure from all of the chapters prior? Because up to this point, we've had nothing like this. For 13 chapters, we've had no politics, if you think about it. I mean, the politics have been one guy gets, has a problem with another and he kills him. I mean, that's sort of the politics we've had up to this point. We've had the politics of two guys that have said we're both way too wealthy for this land. We better split up. That's been the politics. But now for the first time, we read terms like kings. We've, we've, we have our first war in Scripture, and it's right here. And I mean, if you think about it, if God didn't write this in Scripture... None of us would know this ever happened. Even right now, you may be aware of the fact that there are 41 different recorded wars going on as we speak in the world. How many of them can you list? I mean, for that kind of information, I went to a place called globalsecurity.org just to sort of print them out for my own sake. I was unaware that the United States was in so many. But, uh, (coughs) maybe you know, there we go. But I look at this and I realize the reason why we're unaware of these things is, to be honest, some of them we just don't find pertinent. I mean, it isn't like we look and go, oh, yeah, Peru. How many of you have a Peruvian background? And they think, oh, yeah, all that's going on at Shining Path right now. I mean, this is, I don't even know where that is. I couldn't find my way there unless you gave me sort of a Google search on it. And I mean, and I look at that, and all of a sudden, God took, after 13 chapters, he decides, here's our first war, this one. Why? I mean, we've got these places, and we've got places, by the way, that, and again, this is all a guess, because to be honest, a lot of the places where you're going to find have been destroyed, and as they've been destroyed, they're basically underwater today. So if you really want to go diving in the Dead Sea, the problem is you're just way too buoyant in the Dead Sea. It's a little difficult to get down enough to look at any of this. But basically, here's the idea, and then we'll run into the text, and we'll kind of see, and to be honest, as I look at this, it really kind of kicks me around the block. And hopefully you'll see why. To be honest, hopefully if you need it as well, it will for you as well. Here's the basic idea. There are these guys who basically live by the Dead Sea. I mean, they have these particular cities down here. And and we'll even kind of go into what their names are a little bit and even what the cities are. We kind of know two of them that we've kind of talked about, Sodom and Gomorrah, because those particular towns, well, this means burning and this means heap of ruins. I mean, that's got to tell you something to start with. Now, these particular towns... Basically, we're paying taxes to a guy that lived right about right here. Um, the kings that we sort of see, for instance, we see a guy in here named Amrachel, who we read is the king of Shinar. Shinar, by the way, is Babylon, which means some actually believe that this guy is Hammurabi. Uh, if you're familiar with um, politics and history, you might be familiar with the laws of Hammurabi. Well, one way or another, basically, there's this kingdom over here, and the kingdom over here has a handful of kings, and these kings basically have conquered this area, and this area has been paying taxes for 12 years. Now, which means they're already kind of in bondage. Are you following me on that so far? As they're kind of in bondage, 
to this. Finally, these guys kind of get fed up and say, you know, we're a little far away from these guys. Let's just say forget it. No new taxes. So they decide what they're going to do instead is just stop paying taxes. Now, as they stop paying taxes, the kings that are over here do what any king would do when you stop paying taxes. They try to reinforce the fact you should pay taxes. How do you do that? You kill everyone who doesn't. No, and then if you take all their stuff, in essence, they've paid their taxes, if you think about it. So what they do is they kind of go, and they go this way, and then they conquer everything else in between, and then they conquer all of this, and then they basically head up this way, which is interesting, because they're going to basically head up right around where Abraham is. And they're going to basically go this way and head on their way back. Somewhere in all of this, this guy Abraham learns of the fact that they've done this. And as he learns about this, one of the things they took in this area happens to be his nephew Lot. So basically, he trains a bunch of guys, and he hands them all weapons. I mean, obviously, this guy's got a big household, because these are just his trained servants in his household. And then with all of that, he gets all of these guys, and they basically go and kick some serious eastern rear end, take all the stuff back, including Lot, and bring him back. That's our, okay, that's our loose, can you, could, you, could you kind of gotten something like that from this text if you had read it? They got, I don't know where these places are, but basically a bunch of kings warred with a bunch of kings. They took a bunch of stuff, and then basically Abraham came and he took it back. End of story. Well, not exactly. Here's the point we're looking at in all of this. First of all, we need to go back a chapter. If you go back a chapter, there's a person we've been learning about that we haven't really spent any time on, and the guy's name is Lot. Now, the guy whose name is, and by the way, have I said it yet? Please don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true because I say so. Search the scriptures. Let the Bible always have the final say. Now, here's what we know about Lot. Lot was a guy that wasn't supposed to come with. He was basically excess baggage. He was somebody, when God said to Abraham, get out of everything, leave your family, leave your town, leave all this stuff behind, he takes them with anyways. And as he does, instead of heading due west, which is where he would have gone, he does this big loop north and then south, to basically end up in the same place. But when he does, he winds up basically with this guy, Lot. Now, up to this point, we've read nothing with Lot. We've read that Lot has never personally encountered God. We've not read anything about Lot. Matter of fact, we have no script where Lot has spoken yet. If you played the role of Lot up to this point, you wouldn't have had to say a thing. Basically, you just kind of come along and you walk along and you walk along. And it gets to this point, finally, where your shepherds, basically, we've all gone, and he goes with Abraham down Abram, down into Egypt. They come back filthy rich, and it's too rich now for the land they live in. And as it's the case, Abram says, okay, enough. We're way too wealthy for the land. We've got to split up. I mean, it's the only way to resolve this. And remember, Abraham's on his own journey about discovering who God is. But in this, he goes, Lot, look it, I'm going to make it easy on you. You make the choice. I mean, after all, um, I'm, I'm, I'm rich enough as it is. It's really not that big of a deal. All I need is a place where I'm sure that we aren't going to, uh, where I can make sure all of my livestock is going to be taken care of. So Lot, take a look around. Whatever you pick, I'll do the other. You go east, I'll go west. You go north, I'll go south. You go one way, I'll go the other. Lot, it's up to you. And what we read according to the last chapter was that Lot lifted his eyes and he saw this area, this verdant valley of the Jordan. Now, understand it's the lowest place on earth. And the reason is, I don't know if you're aware of this, the Jordan River is two tectonic plates. In other words, it is an earthquake vault, raw. It is the rawest earthquake vault. And that's why it's so low. If you actually look, what you're looking at is a crack in the earth. And so with that, that Jordan River is that crack in the earth. Now, as it is the case, that area is well watered. And understand in those days, water is everything. I mean, water is where you build your places. Water is where you build your cities. Because without water, it really doesn't matter what you build. Sooner or later, everyone will be dead. So, with that in mind, what happens is that this guy Lot, he looks and what he sees, and don't miss this, is he sees everything looks good from the surface. And as everything looks good from the surface, he goes, well, bingo, I'll just take that. Now, we don't read, now, they had just gone through the Negev Desert. So, what they went through before this point was a place where there was nothing green. And so, they get to this place, and they're kind of up on a ridge, and Lot kind of looks, and he goes, ooh, that. I'll take that. Now, understand, God also makes this mention in the last chapter. It was before I destroyed it all. Now, that already kind of, you kind of get that uh-oh feeling when that happens, right? The uh-oh, because, well, how long are you going to have it? And that tells me something right from the get-go, that what Lot saw was something that looked so good from the surface, but it was already marked for destruction. Even though it was shiny and pretty and it looked so good from the surface, it wasn't going to last long. And what you're going to find in Lot's life is 
that this is just a guy who really just gets the temporary and he's going to get one warning shot today. But basically, in, in the essence of keeping his stuff and getting more, he's ultimately going to escape with nothing, not even his wife by the time he's done. By the end of Lot's story, this guy has impregnated his two daughters because he got drunk. That's sick. Their husbands, assume it's their husbands, if not he had other daughters, he had no influence over the city that he was in. And the guy has no other, I mean, we read of him as called righteous in the New Testament. I think every one of us goes, is there something I missed in the Old Testament? I better reread that because that's not exactly what I get out of this story. I mean, doesn't don't, don't every one of us, we kind of go, I'm not really sure. I mean, obviously he got out of a place that God destroyed. That says something. And that was at God's hand. But even with that, what we're going to read is that the angels actually have to pull the guy along. The guy is dragging his feet. Even when God says, look, I'm about to destroy this place. Let's go. And he's like, yeah, well, um, where's my coat? Where's my keys? Where's my, did you get my iPhone? And they're like, just get out, you know? And then I realize that as I look at this guy, there's something radical in this particular element of it right here. Because what I learn in Lot's life here is the same thing that I struggle with and probably you do too. You see, the problem with Lot is he's just got spiritual ADD. He just cannot keep his focus on eternity. Maybe like you, certainly like me. And you know, and all that is, is you're looking at something, it's like, ooh, ooh, shiny. Ooh, shiny. You know, you're like, oh, I'm walking and things are going good with the Lord. Oh, what's this? It's, oh, this is nice. Oh, oh, this is gross. What's that? Okay. Going to love you, Lord. Love you. Ooh, sorry. Pull up. Be right back. What was that? Who is this? Oh, this is gross, too. You got any wipes? You know, okay. Thanks, Lord. Just love you. I'm totally committed. I surrender. Oh, ooh, hold on a second. What? You know, ooh, who's she? You know, whatever. And it's like your whole life is like this. And I realize this. I look at this guy. We have so much to learn from him. And it started with this. Not, I mean, you've heard it said, not everything that glistens or glitters is gold. And it's like the thing is, because the next statement God makes, he goes, look, at the place was beautiful from the outside. It looked good from the outside. It was bling, bling. As far as agriculturally, I mean, agriculturally, bling, bling is green, green, right? And, and he's like, whoo, this is nice. But God says, but I'm about to, t- I'm about to toast this place. You really don't want this. And it says, and the people that live there were exceedingly wicked. Now, God doesn't even say they're wicked. He says, man, these guys were over the top is how it started this. And I start to realize something from this. That it's somehow in it. It's like he just never really read the, the thing of ingredients for the city he was jumping in. I mean, he kind of looked at this thing. And it's like, you know what happens? You click on the telly. And you watch some guy and you're like, and the guy's got like ring, 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 right? Right? The good thing like that. And the teeth with the, the diamonds in it. That's always nice, right? And he's like, yo, yo, right? And then it's like, and then the car door opens and there's like 65 like half naked women jump out of this thing. How big is his car in the first place, right? And he's all looking and he, and he does something like he lights a cigar with like $500 bills from America, right? Throws the rest of the money out the window for poppers to dive for. And someone looks and goes, Oh, I want some of that. Girls will like me if I drive that car and get those teeth and get the thing and wrap like that and whatever. You know, ironic, a guy's so rich and he's like called like half a buck. Anyway, so for what it's worth, okay, so we look at that and what happens is it's so shiny and it's so exciting. And I look at that and I go, Woo, how do I get that? Right? And God says, you should read the ingredients. And the next thing you know, this guy's like shot somewhere and he's like sitting up in a bed and he's like got all these enemies and all this. And it's like, these guys are miserable, but they can't tell you that because if they told you they were miserable, who's going to buy their CD? It's like you go to iTunes and go, I ain't listening to that guy. He's obviously a hypocrite. You know, but it's like, no matter how much we see this happen, we still go and we go, oh, well, maybe there was an exception. Maybe every one of them is an exception to the rule. Is there a problem with that statement? That's like saying, why is the rest of the world messed up and I'm normal? You might want to take a second look at yourself. And, and I look at this and I realize with Lot, he looks at this place and it's as much bling bling as you can get in regards to agriculturally. And he looks and it's, it's a sweet area. The problem is the inside ingredients are just nasty. They're, well, they're toxic. You know, you read something, you're like, well, this is kind of nice. It gets rid of one symptom, but like the side effects will kill you. And so he, but here's the thing. What it tells us is he pitched his tent near Sodom. Now, that's important because Sodom's a city. Now, understand, 
what's a guy with a lot of cattle or a lot of livestock doing near a city? That's kind of a weird, don't you think it's kind of a weird place if you're taking care of animals? You tend to think the country is the place you want to be if you got all the animals. I mean, that's what I would think. I'd think you can't go, yeah, in a city. No one knows what that is unless they think you're hailing a cab. But, you know, he's, and suddenly he's like parked, and he, it tells us that he parks near it. Now, don't miss this. This is where it starts. He parks kind of near it. So, and, and you learn this if you're a parent because you watch the, you know, your children say, can I have a cookie? And you're like, no, you, you really can't have a cookie. We're going to eat dinner in 10 minutes. And then they're like standing right next to the cookie and just staring. And you're like, I said, don't have a cookie. Like, I'm not having a cookie. I'm just staring at it. Just, can I touch it? Why in the world do you want to touch a cookie you can't have? I just just want to make sure it's real. Just want to. Oops, I got some on my finger. I got I got more on my nail. Got them. Right. And you know, I remember saying, look at a heart that's to be near sin is a heart that's to sin. That's the bottom line, right? And you know what this is like because all of a sudden I get near some place and I start going, well, I'm not causing any trouble. I'm not really smoking pot. I'm just hanging out with everybody who is. The police don't care. You'll do time with the rest of them. And it isn't like they go, let's just take an... Will you all be honest with me? Which of you were not doing it so I can send you home? Which one doesn't go, me, me, me? That's just, this, it's just ambient smell. You know what I mean, think about it. And the bottom line is he goes and he pitches his tent near them first. Oh, see, all right, please keep your hands and legs in the vehicle until we've come to a complete stop. Okay, so follow me on this. He goes, and, but... But that's where it starts. But understand, you've already made progress in the wrong direction. I mean, what in the world are you doing there in the first place? I mean, if what you were doing was just looking for Green Lush Valley, there was Green Lush Valley without having to go there. What's interesting, and if you look at the text with me for a moment, I just find this interesting. And and just to kind of give you a little bit of a hint on all of this, as we kind of dig into this, notice, by the way, in verse 11, as they took the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and the provisions and went their way, they also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who, what are the next three words? Dwelt in Sodom. Did you get that? And this is just the way it works, Holmes. Let me just make it clear. What happened here was is that this guy basically came, and, and you know how this is. It's like, look, and I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to hang out with those people. And, but then you want to make them, you, you want them to think you're cool because, you know, who wants to be felt like a dork in any constitu- you know, can any society? So you kind of hang out near them, and you kind of hang out near them, and it's like, hey, and then you're like, well, how do I like not really cuss but make it sound like I'm cussing so they don't think I'm totally a wimp? And then, soon, you know, it's like, how do I kind of run that borderline, that razor edge? And then sooner or later, you're not, st- you're not living next to Sodom. You're living in Sodom. And I remind you, God says, I already marked this place out for destruction. This place is clearly marked out for destruction. You know, all you have to do is look back. I mean, you take one step back and you go, oh, this place is going down. That's obvious. This is a crack house. This is going down. This whole lifestyle of just running around and sleeping with everyone, this is going down. Everybody dies from this sooner or later. You can't play. I mean, the, you, this, the, the house never wins on this one. But hey, I'll just get close enough. And the Bible says, can a man take fire to his bosom and not get burned? Do you really think you are like a superhero and everybody else is going to get burned and somehow you're like asbestos man? How did that work out? So read this with me for a moment because here's, there's so much to learn now as I look at this text. First of all, we've got these guys. And again, Amraphel, Ariak, Kedalomra, Tidal. And again, again, those are the guys in the east, and these were the guys that basically were in charge. Um, for what it's worth, the guy, the, their names are like commanding that goes a command that goes forth, lion-like, you know, grabbing or handsfuls of sheaves. I mean, they seem like some pretty kingly names in essence. And then it says they made war with these guys. Now, don't miss this. Verse two, if you would, just say these names with me, so you can feel like you've spoken some Hebrew. Berra, Bersha, Shinav. Shimever. Bela. Okay. Okay, here, okay, here's what these kings' name means. Bela means son of evil. Who names your kid that? His name means son of evil. So it's like, hey, I'd like you to meet my son, son of evil. Now, what does that make you? That, I think, I'm going with that makes you evil if it's a son of evil, right? In other words, this is evil junior. <laughs> okay, that's the king. Then you've got this other guy, the second guy, Birsha. His name means with iniquity. 
And they kind of get the idea of Sodom and Gomorrah. It's like, who do we want to represent us? Evil Junior. Yeah, perfect. But actually, for the town of burning and a heap of ruins, that makes sense. I mean, Shinov, by the way, means this is the father's only splendor. Shemevra means the one who runs away loftily, which is interesting because Zeboim, by the way, Zeboim means gazelles. That's so you kind of get the image of that. So I'm from gazelles, and what does your name mean? I run around. Boing, I run away. Okay, there you go. Now, by the way, if you're going to go to battle, do you really want to go to battle with a king whose name means runs away? So part of me that thinks that that's really not so cool. And then there's the king of a place called Bela. And Bela, by the way, means destruction. Okay, so we've got destruction, burning, heap of ruins, and they're going to battle against these other guys whose names are like lion-like. I mean, you already kind of, you know, if it's like you're at Ladbrokes, you're kind of already getting the idea this is like 40 to 1 on this. And I look at all of this, and it says they joined together at the, by the way, by the area where it was home court advantage. If you remember, we looked at that area that was the sea. That's where it was. That's where they were going to go to battle. And that's where these guys were. So it's like they had home court advantage. And it tells us that there were tar pits there. Okay, you know, and so you kind of get the idea. They, you think they would kind of know where those pitfalls are? So it's kind of like I would stand on one side of the pit and I would just go, come and get me. <laughs> but apparently that's not the way it worked. And he gives us the background again. But here's the part that I, I grabbed right from the beginning of this. Is that not only did God say this place was marked out for destruction, what became evident was if you would have gone near this town right from the beginning, you would have known this town was already in bondage before I got in there. Because it was already in bondage to the kings of the east. Does that make sense? They were already in bondage to these guys because they were already paying taxes. They couldn't have done what they wanted to. So here I am, I'm pitching my tent near Sodom, and I'm kind of sniffing out the politics. Right? Okay, what kind of town is this? And God says, well, the first thing you're going to know is these guys are just flat out wicked. And we're going to get to this point where they're like, hey, they're bringing... There's new guys in town. Bang down the door so we could go have sex with them. Now, pardon me for being so blunt. The Bible makes it clear. And you kind of realize it isn't like they woke up one day and it was like that. I mean, when this guy shows up, that's kind of the town he's in. So he kind of learned. Remember, Lot, Lot comes with a lot of people. And so, I mean, Lot shows up with all of these people who, by the way, appear to just sort of absorb into Sodom. We don't read anywhere that it's like, I mean, this guy was his own city. In his own city, it's like all of a sudden Lot loses all influence over the people that were with him. And he goes, all right, you guys, just go ahead and jump into the pub and just, just be a part of that. Go get lost in the clubs, man. Go get lost in that whole world. No longer, you're no longer my business. And all of a sudden now Lot's kind of alone in this. He is, and when, by the way, when God tells him to leave and he says, who do you have? Who do you got? He's like, well, I've just got a couple people. I've got like my daughters. Well, what about all those people who came with you? Whatever happened to them? Wouldn't you have thought, to be honest, I've got a few hundred or a thousand people that I brought to this place. I want all these guys out. By this point, they're all totally, they're all all in this culture. Have you thought about that? I mean, think about what it would be like if you had a family of 10 people. Children, brothers and sisters, a couple aunts or uncles. And you all kind of, you showed up and somehow you were the person that was leading them. And you showed up and you wound up, let's just say, in Amsterdam. And you're like, okay, this is where we're going to pitch our tent in this little clean needle park. And then you're like, well, look at, you know, when do you sit down and go, look at, there's some things you need to know. Drugs are bad, okay? Those needles on the ground, don't play with those. Bad idea, right? And, and those gals dancing in the windows, that's not going to be your girlfriend. You, this, it's not a lasting relationship. And even if you have a problem with commitment, don't go near that, Okay. And I mean, where do you say that? Versus, hey, you guys, bars open, open tab, grab a needle, give it a shot. No pun intended, or pun intended. You know, and, uh, you know, and it's like hot date tonight anywhere you go, just knock on the door. I mean, which one of you takes the responsibility to love the people who are with you? And you kind of go, oh, well, that person's not important. He's just kind of a neighbor. You just go do whatever you want. You're not, you don't have my last name. You know, it's like, where do you go? Where do you care for people in all of this? And Lot's in this particular place already, and now he's in this evil community. And one of the things you learn is, wow, you guys have to pay taxes. And you guys have to pay a lot of taxes to these guys in the east. You guys are under bondage. And I realize if I'm going to join your society, I'm going to be in the same bondage. Now, I recognize that as I'm sort of, as we're taking steps ultimately, one slowly at this point because we can't take much more, to become British citizens. I mean, I recognize 40% of basically what you make winds up in taxes so that other people can go and and go to the the hospital. But 
or live in their homes. But I recognize in that that one day when we become citizens, we're going to get the same taxes. I mean, you recognize that's kind of the case. But now think about this for a second because it's a society. So all of a sudden you're hanging out in a society and you're kind of like, wow, what's this society like? You know, hey, let's go check it out. This is a pretty cool place. What do you think? What do we know? Well, let's take a look. Those people, they're pretty much in bondage, aren't they? Yeah, they're totally enslaved. They're totally, you know, that guy right there, he's totally addicted to shimmying. Um, just this weird little dance. Don't ask him to do it, please. Uh, you know, that guy over there, it's all about Starbucks. He's addicted to Starbucks, you know. But it's like what happens is you kind of look around and what you start to realize, if you think about it, is you realize that, that you look at a society and that society says that society is full of bondage. And I know this, if I'm going to be in this society, I'm going to be part of the politic. I can't, get, I can't escape it. I can't get away from that, can I? It isn't like I'm immune to that. So what happens is, is that I take a look at this and I'm like, well, if I'm, I'll, just, I'll just be a part of it and somehow I'll escape it. But the problem is, when the war comes down as a result of these guys not paying taxes, Lot gets taken captive. Did you get that? Which means Lot did not escape the politic just because he, he, was a, he entered late. Hey, the bottom line is, how many times do you have to do drugs with a group of people when they get busted for you to actually get arrested with them? And the bottom line is, if it was the first time, nobody cares about that. The bottom line is, you still did it. If you hang out with a group of people and everyone's sleeping around with everyone, how many people have to have a disease before everybody gets it? And you start to realize, as you start to play these games, hey, the society you want to jump in is deciding, listen, what taxes the society you want to jump in pays, you're going to have to pay them sooner or later, whatever those taxes are. And so these guys are like, forget this. We're tired of paying this. We're okay now. Look at us. We got tar pits kind of surrounding us. And there's something you'll get in a moment in here. We've got all of these other people living in between. We've got this cushion, this cushion of a group of people. And let's take a look at that for a second because I think you might find this interesting. I sure do. So what happens? So basically they stop paying, right? And a year in between, did you kind of get this? And you're like, there's something a little weird about this. And this is what it is. In verse 4, it says, 12 years they served this guy. 13th year, they rebelled. On the 14th year, Ketilomer comes to collect. He's tired of waiting for it. He's going to go get his money, right? But it says, when he came with the kings that are with him, he attacked, and he attacked a bunch of people we didn't read before. Now, do you find that a little strange? It's like, look at What you have basically is the people of London got tired of paying taxes to the king of, of Scotland, and so what happened as a result of that is the king of Scotland came down and he beat up everybody in France and then he came over and, and you're like, well, wait a minute, what, what did I miss? Well, actually, what we look at in this is the group of people that are here and look at them. Let's say these names just for the fun of it. Verse 5, we have Rephaim. Oh, come on, you got more than that. This is Hebrew. You can't say it like you're, you know, sedated. Rephaim. Excellent. Zuzim. Enim. Did you notice the im at the end? By the way, that just makes something plural. And the Horites. And then in verse 7, the Amalekites and the Amorites. Okay, follow me on this. Here's the point. Let me tell you what these words mean because I think you might find this interesting. The term Rephaim is used 25 times in Scripture. 17 of those times it is defined giant. I find that interesting. As a matter of fact, in Joshua 13, he's going to take down the king of Og. or Og is actually his name. And we read that the guy's a giant guy. The Zuzim... By the way, um, but if I'm, by the way, normally translate that. Zuzim means roving creatures. In Deuteronomy 2.20, if Zuzim is actually the Zanzubim, which is very likely, it says, they were also regarded in the land of giants who formerly dwelt there. But the Amorites called them Zanzubim. So you've got giants and giant people who were called roving creatures. And then Emim, and Emim means terrors. According to Deuteronomy 2.10, it says, The Emim dwell there in the times past, the people as great and numerous and as tall as the Anakim. In other words, they were giants as well. They were also regarded as giants like the Anakim, but the Moabites called them the Emim. And then lastly, the Horites, which mean cave dwellers. So you have giant and giant and giant, or should I say giant and roving creatures and terrors and cavemen. Now, here's the point of it. Here you are. Remember this was the sea and they were all kind of right here? This is your border, and this is the guys you aren't paying taxes to anymore. The guys in between, you have giants, roving creatures, terrors, and cavemen. And they're all people that are basically the guys that just don't go down. And here's the point of it. 
is that somewhere down the line, you feel like you're safe and immune because I got this thing to back me up. I got the big man guarding me here. And then in this case, it's like, look it. There are these guys, and I know that they're trouble, but first of all, they're going to have to get through this before they're going to get to me anyways. Now, that could be your youth and your vitality. It could be the money you think you have. It could be the posse you think you're with, the gang you dwell out with. But listen, I know what it's like for guys to be in gangs and think they're invincible and watch them get dragged outside of their house and beat to death with a shovel in front of their parents. And that was just down the block from me. I know what it's like for people to feel like they're absolutely invincible and to get dragged out of a quarry and stabbed so many times you cannot count the wounds. And the bottom line in it all is we may think we all have our little giants that protect us. But when I look at the text in this, I realize this was a warning. I mean, when these guys go down and you think this was invincible and this came down, where do you finally go, and I better think twice about what I'm playing with here. So you watch somebody and they're more educated and they're bigger and they're tougher and they're stronger and they've gotten more experience and all of that and they've evaded the police and they've done all of this stuff and they feel like they've been basically invincible and then one day, man, they're just gone. And you go, oh, that guy I never thought would ever get busted or that guy I never thought would ever get hurt or that gal I never thought would get pregnant or that person would never get that sin catch up with them and you kind of watch all that play out and there's a party that goes wait a minute, that's a good warning because I always, that person was a hero. How in the world did they go down? How do I think I'm not going to? And I got to tell you, as a pastor, I've watched enough guys that I thought were spiritual giants fall. I mean, fall. That every one of them, and I know what it's like to stare in the face of a guy who was a close friend. I would meet with once a month for him to go, like, hey, what do I pray for? How do we hold each other accountable? And him to stare me in the face and go, I, I fell. What that looked like, my entire world's going to change. I don't even know how now. So in, he was still in shock. And to look and go, how do I make sure that doesn't happen to me? What is it you think you're immune to? And do you realize This is Lot's life in front of us. And while these guys are taking down all of this, here's the point of it all. I'm not talking about just these kings for a moment. You're in a place you don't belong. You are in a society that you don't belong in. And you've got to realize somewhere down the line, you've got to have an exit strategy. And all of a sudden I watch, oh, don't worry about it. We've got this buffer of giants that we're going to be totally safe with. And then they take down all the giants and I'm thinking... This might be a good time to leave. What if Lot had left at that moment and gone back out into the field where his animals belonged? He wouldn't have been taken captive. Think about that. But Lot looked, and it's like, why do you go to the city? You don't go to the city for more grass. You go to the the city for more goods. You go for more stuff. And he went chasing after more stuff at the expense of that which he was supposed to be caring for. So what happens? These guys go and they just take, they take these guys down. They take the big boys down and now they start coming. And how close do they have to get before you realize, man, it's time to get out of this. It's time to bail. It's the guy that knows that he struggles with a particular weakness and he's in a group of people that he knows that there is no way he's going to thrive in that environment. And he's like, but you know what? I just know one day I'm going to wake up and be over this. But he, doesn't, he goes into it alone. He has no support. He has no backup. And he's the only guy he feels like in the whole thing. And all of a sudden he gets sucked into it. And now all of a sudden he's like, how did I get in the middle of this? And he watched other people like him go down one after another after another. And he looks and he goes, man, when do I get out of this? What does it have to take? Well, what it took for him was bondage. And he had to be rescued. Do we need to be rescued today? I mean, rescued. Because at this point, they even lose their names. Kings of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboim, and Zela, and Bela, I'm sorry. Go and fight these guys. Now, as the big guys go down around me, giants I never thought would go down, and they start heading my way, I still, I mean, the thing is, I have time to bail. I have time to go, man, if I slow down for a moment, I go, you know what, I need to get out of this. This group of people, I need to be away from. There's no way I'm going to thrive in this group of people. There is no way, but this is a good thing for me. And this is what 1 Corinthians 15.33 says. Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. 
In Proverbs 13, 20, it says, He who walks with the wise will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. A companion of fools will be destroyed. Proverbs 1, 15 says, Look, don't walk in the way of those people. Keep your foot far from their path. See, the problem is, even in the beginning of this, when he sort of just sort of snipped the whole thing out, in Proverbs 14, I think it's verse 12, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it's the way of death. Oh, it looks so good. It looks so prosperous, but in the end of it all, man, you are going to go down. There is no way to escape that. So follow me on this. As that's the case then, what takes place as a result of that? So we've got this situation now where these guys have come, and now they're getting closer. How close do you have to get before it's time to bail? Well, there's no bailing happening. Verse, um, so follow me on it. It tells me then in verse 11 that they took, no notice this, all of the goods of Sodom and with Gomorrah, all their provisions, and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom. Notice God makes clear, and his goods. And they left. See, the crazy thing was is that Lot ran into the city to get more stuff, and he lost it all. You aware of that? I mean, he went into this thing to get more, and when they take you captive, it isn't like, well, you can take your stuff and keep it with you. Oh, you have that pillow that helps you sleep well at night. Make sure you take that so when you're captive, you're comfortable because we're going to need you working for us. We want you in top shape. Oh, and that blender because you love to have smoothies in the morning. We'll make sure that you keep that blender going. So take your blender with you, sure. And, and we'll get you some fresh fruit. They, That's not the way it works. Basically, they walk in and they go, mine, mine, mine. They just take everything and it's theirs now. And, and here was Lot and he chased after all of this stuff and what he got in the end of it was nothing. And here's the most amazing part is that when he gets back there with his stuff, this is the most amazing thing. He goes back to Sodom. When he gets rescued, he goes back into the city. And how do I know that? Because in chapter 19, God says, it is time to get out. Why do you go back after that? And you know, when Lot leaves... He loses everything. What if Lot got his stuff back at the end of the story and didn't go back to Sodom? He might have still had his wife and his stuff. And look at where he's at at the end of this. By the end of this, you read and you go, note to self, this guy goes on the category of don't do what this guy did. That's the category he gets in, isn't it? So what happens? They take him and his stuff. And God makes special mention. By the way, they didn't just take Lot. They took Lot's stuff because Lot had good stuff. And when good stuff is good stuff, that's good stuff to other people too. And they're like, oh, that's good stuff. That's my stuff now. Now, verse 13, then, and by the way, on the other side of the camp of this, so to speak, then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew. Now, note to this, Hebrew, first time mentioned as Hebrew, Remember, he's the great-grandson of a guy named Eber, great-grandson. But remember, this guy, the name means from beyond here, not from around here, from beyond. In other words, his name means foreigner, alien. Now, I want you to notice what happened with this guy, Lot. Is Lot basically got closer, he got closer, he got closer, and then he became a part of this. Now we're all one. Abram, on the other hand, God says, let me just make sure you recognize Abraham or Abram Still the foreigner. Everyone still knows him as the foreigner. Now, let's be honest. Some of us in here weren't born. Matter of fact, a lot of us weren't born in London. And we'd love for people here not to look and go, you don't know from around here, are you? I mean, sooner or later, you kind of hope we would blend in with the surrounding, but let's just be honest. Our citizenship is in heaven, and if you're really busy blending in with this society, you're going to get suckered into its taxes, too. And I'm not just talking about fiscally. I'm talking about the other things that take a toll on a human being around here. Like when somebody falls down and everyone just walks around them because they have no concern anymore for the human life. And how you see that kind of half of a mile walking an hour, kind of this thing, right? We all, and they look, everyone looks like zombies, right? I mean, living in Camden or by Camden, you watch them, I and there's a certain sort of speed limit, apparently, where everyone just has to walk like this. And they all have to walk in a way you can't go around them. I'm not bitter. And, you know, and, all, and they all just kind of walk like this. And it looks like zombies when they're all kind of walking to their knick-knack, paddywhack, studded leather thing that they have to get. And, and I'm looking at all of that, and I realize, I, I look at all of that, and I'm like, I don't, I'll never want to be that. I never want to be apathetic and drowned in indifference and just lukewarm at best and say, that's great because it's still better than the status quo. And it's like, people are like, you are so bizarre. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. 
I want to be Abram where people look and go, you're just not from here, are you? Look, I'm never going to be from here. If I were born and raised in London, I'm still never going to be from here because my citizenship is in heaven. And if I'm busy blending in with everything else, we're in trouble, beloved. And then, no, look, at there's another thing I find interesting in verse 13. Look at it with me. It says that he was called the Hebrew. He dwelled by, not in, but by Therabinth trees of Mamre, the Amorite. And don't miss the fact that it's an Amorite because one of the people that they had taken down on the way over were Amorites. And this guy is an Amorite. And it says, the brother of Eskel, the brother of Inner, who were allies, notice this, with Abram. It doesn't say Abram was part of them. What it says is that these people decided to become allies with Abram. Do you see the difference? Lot basically wanted to be a part with them. I just want to be a part with you. I just want to be your thing. I want to be in your click, your club. Meanwhile, Abram's over here, and he's so bizarre and, and not from around here. Other people are like, hey, can we, be, can we be with you? Can we hang out with you? And Abram's like, yeah, sure, sure. As long as I don't have to change who I am in the Lord, because I'm on this beautiful journey of discovering this beautiful God, so I really don't need to be part of your club. And there are other people that are like, hey, can I be part of yours, man? Because you're kind of on a cool little trip, and can I be part of it too? And, and it's like, yeah, well, yeah, sure. And I just find it interesting. This guy, on one side, you've got this person who's always blending in, and you've got on this other side, this guy that other people are going and saying, can I be a part of that? And I find it interesting. So they're allies with Abram, and it says then, when Abram heard, and by the way, you're aware again, remember, Abram means exalted father, that his brother had been taken captive, he arms some people. This is how the father rescues. And remember, here's how our exalted father rescues. If you're in this situation where you feel like you're in this situation, here's what the father wants to do with you. You know what he wants to do? Is he wants to arm his servants. Did you notice that? But not just servants. His own family. You see, when a servant is born in, a, in your household, they are already claimed as a member of your family as long as they're children of a servant that belongs to you. That's a crazy thought, which means at this point, if Abram wanted to play on technicality, and he will try that with Eliezer later, he'll go, hey, you know, which is interesting, because when he says, hey, you know what, okay, I don't have any legitimate children, let's say he starts physically, but, you know, I mean, I've got this oldest servant, Eliezer. What's interesting is he never tries to put Lot in that spot. Have you noticed that? He doesn't say, well, you know, I've got this nephew, and he, could he just kind of be adopted as my son, and we could go and do it that way? He doesn't even try that. He actually goes with an oldest servant instead. I mean, that tells me something. But in all of this, he's got 318 trained servants who were born in his house. And the only way that the rescue is going to happen is you've got to be born there. There has to be a birthing process for you to become a part of this soldiership. The Bible says that when you come to Christ, you are born again, beloved. The Father is involved in you being born again. You're a brand new creation now. And when he does, he goes, now look it, I'm going to use you in my reconnaissance missions. You, specifically you. You were born in my house, but first I want to train you. I'm going to give you that. And by the way, the term training, and it says, actually the term for dividing is literally smoothing out. And I think this is interesting, like you polish a stone. And I look at this and I think it's like, God's like, look at, okay, you're in the rough right now. But as you're in the rough, I'm going to polish you a little bit. And as I polish you, and as I polish you, and as I polish you, which, by the way, happens in friction. Who likes friction? But in that friction, I'm going to polish you. And as I polish you, there are some people right now that are enslaved. And I want to recruit you. I want to recruit you. And you're like, but I'm just a servant. God says, yeah, I know. You were born in my household now. And I'm the one who's going to train you. There's one other thing I don't want you to miss in this text as we go to prayer. Notice what it says as he does so. It says in verse 14, Now when Abram heard that his brother had been taken captive, he armed 318 trave servants who were born in his household and went pursuit as far as Dan. Now, verse 15, He divided his forces against them by night. And don't miss this. And he and his servants attacked them. Did you see that? This guy left Ur, or left Haran, at 75. We know that he is not at least up in his 80s, because like, I know that when Ishmael will be born, <coughs> excuse me, he'll be 80, 87. So he's not 87 yet, but he's older than 75. Now imagine, here's a guy, and he's like, hey, let me tell you what, we're going to get my nephew back. Who's with me? Ha! Ha! Come on! Ha! And which one of you thinks, which excuse do you say, oh, I don't feel so well? He's like, I'm 71, I'm 80, I'm 80, and you're going to tell me you don't want to come with me? You whippersnapper! Come on! 
And that's the funny part, is that the excuses we give God at a moment like that, Abram says, look it, I'm going, you're going. You're my servant. And if you're my servant, strange, this sounds weird, maybe you missed the memo. If you're my servant, you're supposed to do what I say. Happens that way. That's part of the chain of command of servanthood. So here's what we're serving with. Well, how do we serve people? That's what we serve as people. I don't need more stuff. I got so much stuff, I had to kick my nephew out and look at what happened to him. Now I got to go rescue him. So what are we going to do? Let's go rescue some people. But here's the cool part. God doesn't say, I need you guys to rescue some people. Go and tell me how it works. Oh, wait here. That's not what he does. He says, listen, let's go. Let's go. Now, that's not like my dad when he said, let's clean the garage. And what that meant is he's going to go watch sports while I clean the garage. Let's actually meant I'm going with. Let's. Let's go. I'm going to lead this one. I want you to come with me. There's a battle to be fought. I'll take the thing. Don't worry. We're all about victorious. And you'll say, but wait a minute. You don't understand. Those guys have taken down big guys. And your father says, perhaps you're unaware of who I am. I am the undefeated heavyweight champion of the universe. I'm not intimidated by whatever momentum you think those guys have. Hell, I conquered that. Death, I conquered that. Sin, I conquered that. What more do they have to throw at me now? I want all of that. So let's go. I'm going to smooth you out a little, polish you up, train you in my house. My house, in my house. And then let's go together and rescue some people. Because there's some people right now, they got close to something they shouldn't have, and now they're stuck in it, and now they're in the bondage of that society, as you would be expected. You looked and went, of course, that's why I don't go near that. They didn't, they're like, oh, I'm totally invincible, and now they're not. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to take, take on the darkness to do this. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take on the darkness. So at night, he says, all right, it's nighttime. You know what that means? They're not going to see this coming, so let's do it. You ready? Who do you know? Okay, so we can sit down and go, well, that was a lovely story. Okay, we found strange pertinence in that. It's actually strangely applicable to me. Yeah, that's not enough. I want to ask something right now, sincerely. What names come to mind? What names come to mind right now? Right now in your head, what names come to mind of people you know this person's in bondage right now? I mean, you know, this person's really suckered in. Who do you come up with? What do you think God wants to do with you today? I don't think he wants you to go in alone, but I know he wants you to go. And what if the person, what if the seat next to you next week is filled with someone who said, you know what? People have told me, stop doing that, but I can't stop doing it. I'm in bondage. I just can't say no to them. You go, well, I know that, but I'm going to come and get you out anyways. It wasn't like Lot could go, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not really from here. I'm not really a Sodomite or a Gamorrean or anything like that. I mean, I know that, I mean, but he's going to be at the gate judging later on and all that, but it's like, hey, you know what, I'm sorry, I'm really, can you let me go? Who's going to let him go? He's the guy with the stuff. He's valuable to the world. Let me ask you, are you the person? Is it you? Is it you today that you look at and you go, wow, I'm, I'm in bondage. I, I really can't get out of this. Because if it is, I'm here to let you know this is how it ends. Verse 16. He brought back, and God makes special note. By the way, it says they chased him as far as Hoba. Hoba, by the way, means hiding place. In other words, they chased them all the way back to their hiding place even which was north of Damascus, which is over 160 miles away at this point. And they brought back, notice this, all his goods. Did you notice that? And Lot, and his goods, and all the women, and all the people. When the Father delivers, nothing is lost, no person is lost, and no family is lost. Did you get that? Well, look at I don't want this to be some kind of little entertainment thing like we watch the movie and in the end we contemplate a couple ideas and walk out of here unchanged. That would be so stupid. Because one thing we're aware of is there are people in real, honest bondage. 
I mean, slavery, real slavery, real imprisonment, really shackled and chained to something they wish they could get free from, but they can't humble themselves enough to ask for, how does somebody turn to another person and go, I'm addicted to internet porn? How does another person turn and say, you know, I know you probably don't realize this, but I've been secretly doing these pills every night. And I did first, it was because I said I was in pain, and now I can't stop taking them. Doesn't say, you know what, to be honest, I've been really mixing with affections that I know really don't belong in the kingdom of God, but or I'm playing with that person or those people or that society and I don't belong in there at all. What in the world am I doing? Or to be honest, I don't even know if I can get out of this thing. I mean, how do we love each other as a family enough to say, hey, you know what, can I get your help a little bit? Are you afraid if you said that to someone, they would just laugh and point and go, oh, I knew you were like that and walk away? Not in this household. That's not the way it plays. We're servants of the Father. And if we're servants of the Father, we want to come and see rescue happen. Because sometimes... All the time, rescue is necessary. As we go to prayer, beloved, who are those names? Who do you think? Because is there anyone right now that knows you well enough that if they were asked that question, you would be on the list? You know, I can't not be in a relationship. I can't not be with a group of people. What is it that you have to have? Beloved, I can't be more sincere to tell you that is not an uncommon thing. And don't let the enemy convince you that you're some bizarre psycho because you struggle. Because that will keep you from asking for help. I'm here to let you know my father's in the business of delivery and he raises up his children in the family business. Does that make sense? So I want to pray for you. And then we'll go a little late because we're going to have communion. And then we'll pray for each other. But lastly, have you even accepted the gift that the Father did for our deliverance? Because as we're all sinners, that sin must be paid for. And God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross because that's what it took to deliver us out of the bondage of our guilt. And if we say yes to the gift of Jesus, who died on the cross as God promised, he's willing to forgive you and make you innocent. And then he rose again to offer you brand new life. How would you like new life? I mean, be a new creation. We've looked at it today twice. Because if you are a new creation, God would like you to assume that role. Because now you're born in this household, but that's where it starts. Have you been born into the household? Pray with me, would you please? Lord, I thank you so much for what you've done in this time. I thank you for Lot's example. I do not want to die like Lot. I do not want to live like Lot. And so, Lord, first I just want to pray for believers and myself in that, Lord, that if there be right now a society that we are putting our tents near, or worse, we're already in that society and we don't belong there, would you please, right now, give us the wisdom to learn by Lot's example. He is truly a warning here. And God, please, would you please, please deliver. But Lord, I don't want to be delivered out of that and end up back in Sodom. How utterly foolish as this dangerous situation where they should have killed Lot for his stuff. But this dangerous situation will only bring Lot back to Sodom where he will lose everything when you destroy it. Lord, I just want to pray right now for every believer here that you get us away from the fires we're playing with. Lord, that you get us that full-on walk you intended. So please, Lord, right now, would you do that? Would you please, Lord, if we are in a place where we need help, put the people around us that we feel comfortable and safe enough to ask for that help. But Lord, as you've put people's names on our heart of people that we recognize right now are in that place, would you use us as agents of deliverance? Not just from the situation, God, but truly to see them delivered out of the bondage they're in. And if there be anyone at the sound of this voice who has not accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, payment for your sins, to become a brand new creation, to be born into the household of God, adopted by the Father. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you agree with me at the end, I ask you to listen intently. And if you agree, I ask you to say a resounding, confident amen. And what you're saying is, I agree, so be it. Let those words be my words. And here's the prayer. God in heaven, I confess to you, I'm not perfect. I know better. 
was sinful and flawed and guilty. And you as a righteous judge punish all wrong. But I believe you've already punished my wrong on the cross of your son, Jesus the Christ, who died on the cross the death and the punishment I deserve as well as the rest of the world. And as all of my guilt has been paid for there, and as Jesus rose from the grave just like your word promises, you offer me new life where I can be a new creation, where the old could be gone and the new could be assumed. So I say yes, you offer me that as a gift and I accept that gift gladly, confessing Jesus as my ransom, as my savior, and as my Lord. So have me, please, Lord. Adopt me, Father, as your own. I want to be part of your household. Make me yours as I surrender. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, I ask you to say, amen.